0: I'm back here um, to introduce our speaker this morning. Although for many of you in the room, our speaker this morning won't need it, won't need any introduction because Ali here and her husband Gab have been. They're part of the furniture. They've been part of the church and it's much better leaders. <laughs> and we worked out this morning that this year it will be 20 years that you've been. 20 part of the church, years obviously. part of the church. Yeah, they've been
1: they definitely
0: part of the furniture. That. I feel, and they've served and led in so many different areas. Um, for many years um, Ali was part of our small groups team and then in the last couple of years she has been part of pioneering a movement initiative but based here at Trent um, leading and initiating uh, our leadership college which is what she does in um, Day in, day out. Indeed. Um, Ali is an amazing um, teacher. She's taught in lots of different courses and settings, but this is actually the first Sunday where she's preached, and we're delighted that she's here to do it. So let's welcome
1: yeah. and encourage her. Really greatly timed cough that's arrived this morning as well.
0: Bless you. Well, have <laughs> a good morning. See thank you, there. you.
1: Wonderful. So hopefully I won't cough too much, but I have been coughing throughout worship, so I apologise if I deafen you at any point. But have you stopped recently to think about what you're thinking about? It's a little bit dangerous. The other morning, in preparation for today, I decided to do that. So I sat for a few minutes in silence just to see what I was thinking about without any outside input. I found my mind wandering around some quite surprising things, like, why does wind make a noise? How many doses of medicine are there left? What am I going to do with my annual leave next year? And the most surprising thought I had was, what did happen to the supermarket chain, Summerfield? LAUGHTER Why was that in my head? It's been a long time, and led me on a bit of a Wikipedia search. But anyway, as adults, we tend to be quite careful, for good reason, about allowing others to know what we're thinking about. Um, But if, like me, you've ever served in Trent Kids, which I would highly recommend, you know that children have no problem whatsoever with giving you a wonderful and wacky insight into their mind Whenever possible, you can guarantee that if you ask them a direct question about what they've just heard in a Bible story, they will seize the opportunity to pour out what they're currently thinking about instead. When the answer is clearly Jesus, as we all know, before you know it, you'll have a cacophony of little voices telling you about Bluey and that they're going to grandma's after church and why Poppy is not coming to their birthday party. I wonder if we sat still and quiet for a few minutes now. We might concede that our thought lives are a little bit more like a four year old's than we would care to admit. So, at this morning, at the turn of the year, it feels like a good moment to think about what we're thinking about on a bigger scale. What has been filling our minds this past year? And what would we want to be different in the year to come? The reason for this is what we think about is so connected to who we are becoming. What we allow into our minds determines so much about the response to the world around us. And as Christians, we want to become more like Jesus next year compared to last year. You may be here exploring faith, in which case you're so welcome. If you've been following Jesus for a few weeks or like me for many years, then as we follow him, we continue to give God permission to transform areas of our lives that are not like Jesus more into his image so we sound and think and act more like him. In his letter to the Roman church in chapter 12, the Apostle Paul writes to the believers there saying, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing and perfect will. Becoming more like Jesus in the way we think is a work of the Holy Spirit, but also requires a response from us. The renewing of our minds is the gradual process of our minds being reshaped by replacing our ungodly thoughts with thinking and responding in the way that Jesus would. There are plenty of passages in the Bible that talk about what we do with our minds, but this morning I'm going to focus on this one in the middle, written by the Apostle Paul to the Christians living and working bringing up families and worshipping at the church in Philippi. He writes this in Philippians 4, verse 8. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Now, Paul was writing this in the midst of opposition. doesn't necessarily sound like it. But he was penning his letter under the threat of execution in a Roman prison. And he knew that the church there would also face real difficulty in the coming years. And he was encouraging believers to fix their minds or dwell on these virtues, knowing that there would be trouble ahead. But actually, this is not only relevant for the believers in those times, it's also relevant for us here and now. We too, just like this year, are likely to face difficulty next year. Maybe things that we've got very little control over that we see in the news, or maybe things that are more close to home, our friends, our families, our finances, our job, our health. And for us, it's vital that we don't just read these words from Paul, but we actually put them into practice when we can, filling our minds and our lives with noble, right, pure, lovely, admirable, excellent, and praiseworthy things what would your life and my life look like next year if we actually took Paul's words seriously? It's easy to listen, but if we chose to fix our minds on the pure and true and lovely, what difference would it make in our families, in our conversations, in our workplaces? So before we look at some things we can do to put Paul's words into practice, we should consider what are the barriers that get in the way? Because we don't always do this, do we? So I want to mention two things especially. I think the first barrier is that there are negative messages all around us, the very opposite of what we see here in this verse. I'm sure you all agree we live in pretty complicated times these days, don't we, with many uninvited images and words coming into our minds and competing for our attention. I've noticed that with our two kids, who are now 10 and 13, that when they were younger, we had a measure of control over what came into their minds as they become teenagers, we're handing more control over to them, alongside conversations about making wise choices. But if you're a parent or a grandparent, you might agree. The norm for their generation is to be caught up in a stream of constant information overload. YouTube, films, adverts, song lyrics, messages, social media, adverts. And they don't necessarily pay attention to its effects on their minds. Do we? Sometimes you don't quite realise what you're consuming until someone holds a mirror up. This hit home to me recently when I read this by John Tyson, a pastor in New York City. He says, we have become a people mired in the 24-hour news and social media cycle, fed a constant diet of hopelessness and despair. Ouch. With our phones and media, usually within arm's reach, 24 hours a day, how can we take control over what we think about this year to come and ha- when we actually have the choice? So we'll come on to some helpful pointers about that in a minute. But secondly, we need to be careful of this other pitfall. What we're not talking about here is that Paul's advice is pressure to only have positive thoughts all the time and suppress negative feelings and emotions that are actually very present and real in our lives. You might have heard of the phrase toxic positivity. That's relentless, unrealistic positivity to the point that it's actually damaging to ourselves and those around us. You might have encountered people a bit like this on this meme that goes around the internet that say, everything's fine, without actually addressing the very real problems around them. This is not what we're supposed to be like. We know from the whole story of Scripture that we are living in the now and the not yet of God's kingdom here on earth. As Christians we need to be realistic about our present situations but remain hopeful. Until Jesus comes again and his kingdom fully reigns in heaven and on earth we will still experience difficult circumstances, death and grief. And Jesus suffered and grieved and lived alongside those who did the same. But throughout the ups and downs of our circumstances we do have some choice about what we feed our minds what we choose to consume and dwell on. In difficult times, Paul still encouraged the people of Philippi and us today to think on whatever is noble, excellent and praiseworthy. The author Dallas Willard reminds us that the ultimate freedom we have as human beings is the power to select what we will let our minds dwell on. Our thoughts determine the orientation of the things we do and shape the feelings that frame our responses to the world around us. So when we have the choice, we can discipline ourselves to think about what we think about. But if you're like me, why don't we automatically choose the good when we have the choice? Why do I turn on a celebrity podcast rather than read my Bible? Why do I sit and watch another TV comedy rather than going out for a walk in God's creation? So coming towards a new year... These are the kind of questions I'm asking myself when it comes to media and advertising in particular. What am I consuming day by day and week by week, allowing my mind to dwell on? What kind of soil am I creating for my future thoughts to grow from? Does my engagement with the news, for example, lead me to pray or act or just feel hopeless and cynical? Does scrolling through social media connect me more with other people or just make me compare and feel bad about myself. As believers, we have the Holy Spirit inside us who guides us in discernment as to what we let into our minds. And in the church, we also have a community all around us who can help point us in the right direction and inspire us. So thinking about advertising, I had some interesting influences in my younger years. Firstly, I didn't grow up in a home with a TV. I'll give you a little moment for that to settle in. It was both a blessing and a challenge but it did mean that I was less aware of what I was missing out on from advertising. When I was 19 I moved in with another Christian family and I noticed that they muted the TV when adverts came on the screen. Even though the pictures on the screen were still visible there was something about not hearing the words coming into my mind that helped control how much dissatisfaction I was allowing in. For me, that was a really helpful model, and it's impacted me so much that I still have similar instincts today. I tend to unsubscribe from all the marketing emails as they come in. I skip ads online wherever possible, and much to the annoyance of my teenagers, I turn the volume on the car radio right down when the adverts come along. I know, I am that mum. Despite this, I have a trickier time when it comes to my phone and social media. Has anyone else noticed that on Facebook, on Instagram, if you use them, you seem to see fewer updates from your friends and people that you know these days and just more and more adverts? Although they're sometimes useful for unique Christmas present ideas. I don't know if anyone has succumbed to an Instagram ad purchase this year. But when we view them day in and day out, they can cause us to feed our minds on what we're lacking and dwell on what we don't have. As I've got older, I realise that I'm not as naturally disciplined as those around me, and it's something I have to work quite hard at and kind of find strategies to help me with. So because of this, I've decided to install time limits on certain apps on my phone, and periods of downtime on my phone in general, so that when I have the choice of what to put into my mind, I've already limited the unhelpful and made it easier for me to choose the positive. And I've got a couple of close friends who I ask to help keep me accountable too, I must say that since I've limited social media to just a couple of uh, to a few minutes each day and stopped regularly looking at the news, I've noticed I am less anxious. I feel more peaceful, and I feel like I've got more control over what's going on in my mind. So these are just a few things that I've put in place, but there's a number of other practical things that we can do to participate in the renewing of our minds. So for the last few minutes, I just want to share four spiritual practices that I've found helpful on this journey. Firstly, I want to mention silence, stillness and solitude. So looking back on the year we've just had, how have you found getting quiet, being still and spending intentional time with Jesus? I admit that all three have been quite a challenge for me. To give you a little bit more of an insight into my personality, I was named Fidget Bottom as a child. I filled my childhood with audiobooks and music throughout the day and the night, and I was vocally very disappointed when I was told no one outside the immediate family was coming round for dinner. And to be honest, not much has changed in my 40s. I still can't sit still on a chair or keep my feet still on stage, apparently. I would listen to podcasts all day long if I could, and I'm an extrovert who loves spending time in roomfuls of people. However, for me, I've noticed over the past few years that all three areas of silence, stillness and solitude are essential practices to open myself up to being with Jesus and learning to think as Jesus would, to think about what I'm thinking about. Some of us value and enjoy our connections with other people so much that being solitary to spend time with God is the biggest challenge. Others of us enjoy the stimulation of filling our minds with music and stories and all kinds of information so that being silent in God's presence is actually quite uncomfortable. And many of us love to be busy. We do and go and help and find just being still the hardest thing of all. And Jesus was often busy as we are. Everyday life would have been noisy. He was regularly surrounded by people and being interrupted But we see in the Gospels that he took time aside to be with God, being still and silent and by himself. We hear in Psalm 46 the invitation to be still and know that I am God. Capturing our thoughts and getting better at dwelling on the good requires stillness, time alone with Jesus and quiet in our minds. Without space to think about what we're thinking about, we can find ourselves running on autopilot, allowing the behaviours and the customs of the world to influence our thoughts and feelings more than Jesus does. So for me, looking back on the past year, I recognise that I really need to embrace more times of silence in the year ahead because when I quieten the noise around me, it leaves space for these other three practices that I want to mention. So the second practice is actively filling our minds up with good things by studying this book, the Bible. A fantastic practice of playing an active part in the renewal of our minds is to keep scripture front and centre in our thought lives. God's word is full of truth compared to the world around us. It helps us know what's right and it's full of wisdom as of how life is supposed to be lived well. So for you, you might be right at the beginning of learning how to read the Bible and if that's the case, keep going because there's treasure to be found in here. If you're many years into following Jesus, have a listen to what the German theologian Dietrich Bonhoeffer writes. The word of scripture should never stop sounding in your ears and working in you all day long. Just like the words of someone you love. Just as you do not analyse the words of someone you love, but accept them as they are said to you. Accept the word of scripture and ponder it in your heart as Mary did. That is all. That is a massive challenge. Do we have the word of Scripture sounding in our minds all day long? Or are we more likely to be pondering the intricacies of the Marvel cinematic universe or what's going on in the Premier League? I would love this to be more true of me this year. So, how do we go about studying or dwelling on Scripture? You may find that it actually helps to analyse Bible passages and learn more about what you're reading but we can also allow God's word to sink into us like a love letter, letting the truthful words roll around in our minds and pondering them from different angles. By being saturated in the truth of scripture, we really do start to think differently and become more like Jesus. You might not be much of a reader. Maybe you prefer to listen to the Bible or good podcasts about the Bible while you go about your day or on your commute. Or why not have some important verses from the Bible depicted in art around your house or in your room? I love doing that. And looking at them allows your mind to dwell on truth throughout the day. Thirdly, I want to mention the practice of worship and its effect on our minds. So personally, I went through a very difficult time for a number of months once, and I just found I could not worship God I was away from friends and family and Christian community, and I just felt so alone. I struggled to pray. I didn't know what to do with so many negative feelings and a sense of depression. And every time I tried to worship, I just cried and I couldn't continue. I basically didn't know how to lament and tell God how I was feeling. But gradually, though, as hope emerged, I was able to put some worship music on and sing along. I didn't really have the words for myself, but listening to other people worship gradually had an effect and opened the opportunity to connect with God again and pour out what I've been feeling. For some of us, worship is always a challenge, with this time of year sometimes feeling particularly tough, but for others, it's much easier. Many times, like this morning, I've experienced coming into church on a Sunday and as I've chosen to enter into worship, whether I felt like it or not, My mind has been filled with the truth of who God really is, the admirable, excellent and praiseworthy parts of his character. Worshipping changes our perspective as we set our minds on the things above, not on earthly things. So thinking practically for the year ahead, as well as times of worship here on a Sunday or in small group, how can you worship God as part of your everyday life? It might be singing, dancing, cooking or art. Whatever draws your attention back to God can be worship. And finally, I want to mention the practice of enjoying God's creation. God has created a beautiful world for us to live in, full of lovely things. And our minds are renewed as we pay close attention and choose to dwell on things that he's made. In a recent news article, James Gilbert, an ecologist from Northamptonshire, talks about finding the antidote to modern life in nature. He says, It's only when I'm outdoors and attentive to the wild things around me that my mind holds still. Simply the everyday encounters I chance upon in my daily life. These touches of wildness freshen my mind, broaden my perspective and lift my spirits. So I don't know if you can relate to that, I imagine many of us can, and I've certainly found this to be true, even living in a city, like many of us do. So I live in Sherwood, a couple of miles outside of the city centre, which is a fairly urban area, and as I was walking on the school run a few months ago, I came across this big bush of ivy on someone's front wall. It was just covered in bees and butterflies, it was so unusual to see that where I live. Uh, I think there's a picture of it here, yeah. I was just completely mesmerised by it. It was absolutely amazing. And I just stood there enjoying it and just looking again and again and thanking God for his creation. And that sense of stopping and dwelling on the lovely and beautiful has really stuck with me. And I even took a little uh, video of it on my phone to go back and marvel at it again. Again. So I'm a bit of a city girl, having grown up in London and lived in Nottingham City my whole adulthood. So for me, the main way I enjoy God's creation day to day is a bit like that, looking in people's front gardens and looking at the sky uh, out of the car window heading to work. But I love how Psalm 19 describes, the heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the works of his hands. Creation reflects the beauty of our creator perhaps you're more the type to walk your dog through a forest or along the river to produce a wonderful flowering garden or balcony or allotment. Maybe you go for walks in the peaks or go on a caravan holiday to a beauty spot. But whether we live in the countryside or the city, interacting with God's beautiful creation around us is certainly lovely, admirable, excellent and praiseworthy. We can appreciate the colours of the sunset, the whiteness of snow when it comes. The smell of spring flowers, a visiting hedgehog, and the intricacy of a flower or a leaf or a little creature. So, this year, will we pay more attention? Will we dwell and allow our minds to be renewed? So, those are the four practices that I wanted to mention today. Although there's plenty more, like the upcoming 21 days of prayer and fasting, these practices all help us press on to the goal. Of spending time with Jesus and becoming more like him. So I'd encourage you as this year ends and we look ahead to next year, make a plan. What do you think would work for you and be intentional with it? How are you going to continue to think about what you're thinking about? Which one of these practices will you aim to incorporate into the year to come? What's God inviting you into? If you're anything like me, you're kind of waiting for the right time to start something. You know what you ought to do. And maybe this new year coming tomorrow is a good prompt to start something. So if you're able, let's stand together.